Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that loves ripping it from the dong bong. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and we will explain that reference later. My good friend, how are we? I am good. Uh, That's a funny intro, not just because I'm excited to talk about it, but because I actually would imagine there are probably a lot of other baseball podcasts that would just absolutely love to do that. (laughs) But we will make a great uh, point, right? On the hierarchy of baseball podcasts, I don't think you and I have ever used a beer funnel in our lives. Yes. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I remember being very close yep. to doing that multiple times freshman year and deciding to to get a pinch hit four at the last second several times over, which is a decision I both am very proud of and also mildly regret. Um, but we will get to all the dong bong chatter as well as all the other home run celebrations that are sweeping across our great league uh, we're going to talk about Luisa Rise becoming the first Marlin to hit for the cycle, which is something I'm legitimately very excited about. We're going to talk about some other players that have caught our attention in the early going. And yes, we have an interview with our good friend, Brent Honeywell Jr. We talked to him yesterday afternoon before he went out and threw another scoreless inning against the Mets where he looked fantastic. Um, so you will hear that conversation with Brent here in a little while. But Jake, we have to begin. Before we get to the fun stuff, let's just do our annual uh, update. Annual. Uh, guess what? <laughs> annual. Our yeah, we need, What is a word for like Probably. annual, but every podcast, right? So our podcast is three times a week. Help us out with that. We've actually had a lot of great suggestions. You can email us, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Different terminology. We need something that, that describes something that happens every podcast, even if the podcast is on a very strange uh, frequency. Podcastual. Uh, the, the upshot here is the Rays won again. They are now 11 and 0. Two more times. They won two more times. One uh, on Tuesday, on Monday, dramatic Brandon Lau home run, and they won yesterday behind a great start from Shane McClanahan. And I am here sitting in my desk chair with egg on my face after doubting the greatness of this team. I was wrong. This is the greatest baseball team of all time. They are the best. Uh, they will never lose ever again. They have two more games against the Red Sox in this series going for the mop, the four-game sweep. They will then travel to Canada, where if they lose any of those games, they don't count because it's outside of America. They will remain undefeated in the land of the free and the home of the brave, which I'm sure people will note on Twitter. But keep going, Rays. We'd love to yes. see you. Never yeah, lose. The, One, the six, plus two, and up. The plus 63 run differential looking good. 11 and 0. If this were college football, they'd already be in the playoffs. So, congratulations to them. Um, they're awesome. It's not that complicated. All right. Other fun stuff that we definitely need to talk about. Jake, let's talk about Luisa Rise making history last night, becoming the first Marlins hitter to ever hit for the cycle. I would start by saying that I don't think we care about cycles that much. Um, But honestly, I actually now, comparing them to regular no-hitters, which is something we've talked about over the past few years, how impressive is a no-hitter when batting average is lower than ever and pitchers are as good as they are. We have combined no-hitters. Those are really lame. Where are you at on a cycle in general before we get to this historic achievement for Marlins franchise history? Well, a cycle is cooler than a combined no-hitter, but a singular, like a one guy throwing a no-no is cooler than a cycle for me. Agreed. The cycle is such a fun quirk. I think players care about it, and mm-hmm. so it's cool. Mm-hmm. I think it matters how good the pitcher you did it against is. I think it matters whether you did it in five at-bats or six at-bats or four at-bats. All of those things matter to me. I think it matters the order in which you collect the hits. Glad you so, glad you said that, yes. And Arise yes. got his single last, which is, which is of course, hilarious because it's him. <laughs> like right. that, that is also uh, amazing. Getting the single last is the lamest for me. I think the coolest what? thing to get last is actually the triple. 
Okay, that's that's true, right? The Benjamin Molina after, one is is an all time yeah. baseball moment. That's true. Because for the triple, like the guy hits second base, it keeps running, and it's just absolute intensity in theater. I agree with that. Uh, that said, um, Luis Arise, what a player! Not just uh, you know the, the the additional four hits last night <laughs> brings his batting average to five thirty seven on the season. Last year in June, uh, I wrote for Fox about how. Awesome it was that Luis Arise was hitting 361, which was so far ahead of everybody else at that point, because again, batting average was lower than literally ever. And so now we have a situation where he's he seems to have just gotten even better. And to, for him to finally show uh, some 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 power as well, you know, with his first career home run last night, he's at 22 hits, uh, or first first home run of the season, I should say, 22 hits already this year. The Tigers, as a team, only have 68 hits. And Luis Arise is already at 22. I am thinking about so many things related to him. Is this? Do we need to start thinking about him for 3,000 hits? These are insane thoughts. I know he started his career late. I know 2020, you know robbed him of 150 hits like there's so many parts about this that are that are obviously premature but he is so different he is so special when we had Stephen Kwan on the show you could hear the admiration he talked about with Luis Arise and Stephen Kwan is amazing but I really do feel like Luis Arise is in his own category right now I love watching him play I love that it is looking like a win-win trade for both the Marlins and the Twins I think that is great and yeah man I'm I'm just he is he is a must watch at bat and in a very very unique way he's so good yeah like he he hits He's just so freaking good. I loved how on his triple, which, by the way, against Aaron Nola, I liked how he broke his bat. Like, there's nothing more Luis Arise than the triple in a cycle being a broken bat triple. Yeah, no, he's he's the best. I was also curious, so, so the other reason why this is such a big deal. First one in Marlins franchise history, which is... Very weird, right? I think the no-hitter version is, was, of course, Joe Musgrove doing it for the Padres after all those years, and that was very cool. Uh, both of those, these happening on the road, unfortunately. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I would love to know from Marlins fans how much this <laughs> was something that people thought about. I did not know this, mm-hmm. that they did not have one. I think I knew that the Padres didn't have one. A no-hitter, a yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The that. Padres didn't have a cycle, I believe, for a oh, very really? long time. And I think Matt Kemp got the first Padres cycle. Oh, if that if I might be correct about this, let's see. <laughs> you might, yes, you might I be. am right. I okay. am correct about this. The Padres did not have a cycle until 2015. Okay, okay? there you go. Which is way longer than the Marlins not having one. And That's Matt true. Kemp got uh, the first cycle in in franchise history. Believe it or not, at Coors Field. Uh, and I remember that being a thing that I knew. I did not know the Marlins lacked a cycle. Which I think says a lot about the Marlins franchise and their level of relevance. And it is so fitting that Luis Arise is the first person to do this. Yeah, in, in his in his 12th game as a Marlin. I was curious, other close calls. I didn't look up every single, you know, single, triple, homer game. But I looked up how many games in Marlins history, double, triple, homer. Right, because presumably those are the the three hardest ones and would get you the closest to getting a cycle. That had happened four times before in Marlins history. And it is just a perfect list. It's Gary Sheffield in 1994. It's Josh Willingham in 2007. It's our man, Dan Ugla, in 2007. We're not doing good, the bad, the ugly, but we had to work him in. And of course, Omar Infante in 2012. But now Luis Arise has etched his name into fighting fish history. Uh, Come on, Marlins, make us proud. That is why I'm wearing my Marlins hat today. And uh, I'm sure uh, Scott Stapp is amped this morning about Luis Arise. All right, Jake, let's, yes. I was going to say, let's move on to one of the weirder sagas we've had over the last couple of days, Yankees Bat Boy drama. So here's how this one came to be. On the Yankees broadcast against the Guardians on Monday, the camera panned to a long-haired Bat Boy sitting outside the Yankees dugout. I believe he is like the bat and ball retriever in-game. Those guys usually uh, have additional responsibilities. They're not simply there to, you know, schlep. Although I guess they are there to schlep because that is the rest of their responsibilities. They're basically like getters. Like, hey, go get that. Hey, go get that. Whatever. They are not employees of the road team. 
So when you are watching a game, even if they're wearing the uniform of the road team, they are employees of the home team. And what that meant is that the Yankees bat boy had some long, long, long blonde hair. I mean, really long hair, right? Like this is longer than, you know, I've been watching my little brother David grow his hair out for years. And this is, was, you know, way beyond that. Um, and so Michael Kay, the Yankees broadcaster, un- unclear how joking he was, but basically when the camera panned to the Yankees guy with long hair was like, uh, that ain't cool, man. You know, if the players can't have long hair, then anyone wearing a Yankees jersey should not have long hair, which made me think so many different things, right? Because then it's like, can the fans not have long hair while wearing Yankees uh, jerseys? Or is it the fact that he is on the field in uniform, standing literally, you know, inches away from Aaron Boone? Is that what makes this a problem? First of all, do you think Michael Kay was joking? No. I don't I- know. Don't think that anyone in Yankee world is ever joking about the importance of Yankee culture. The pinstripes are not a punchline, Jordan. They are history. They are important. Apparently the road grays aren't either. Apparently the road grays aren't either. And so, yes, I, I firmly believe that Michael Kay was being serious on the broadcast, which is fine. That's the audience, right? Like, if you're the Yankees broadcaster, you are trying to make the whole thing feel important. That's his job. I have no issue with that. That being said, it's stupid. This whole thing is stupid for a number of reasons, including, like, this guy works for the Guardians. And so there's probably another bat boy retriever ball person on the other side of the field doing the Guardians team who might not have long hair. Why can't they just switch if it's a problem? People were also whining about the guy's red shoes, which, again, he owns because he works for the Guardians. If you don't want your bat boy to have long hair, ring your own. You can afford it. Totally fine. Okay? That doesn't that doesn't count you, against the luxury tax. <laughs> bingo. Then the next day, last night, same guy, or maybe it was later in the game. I think it was, it was last night. I think it was Same guy time. shows up, again, hucked hair into the helmet he's got it like up in a bun hidden from the helmet and they changed the logo of the helmet from a yankees logo to a boring rawlings logo to further disassociate this you know fraud from yankees culture and blue shoes i believe um which is even crazier so this first of all this is just one of the goofiest things we've ever seen but the fact that he tucked his hair up now, they weren't going to make the stranger cut his hair, but does that mean a player could get away with having the long hair as long as they tuck it into their hat, right? Like if Harrison Bader wanted to really grow out the locks so that when he walks in, in his whatever no. he's wearing, and he's like, no. yo, I'm Harrison Bader, you're, you're saying that's no No, because hair? if we know they have it and they're showing it off, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, my thought would be, could a Yankees player shave the words go Red Sox into a buzz cut and just because they're always wearing a hat or a helmet, get away with people like not knowing about it? Good question. I just want to know who 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 made this uh, c- communicate, who communicated this to this poor guy, guy right? Because I I hope it wasn't just, well, maybe it was. Like, is Michael Kay the one spearheading this or is he just the one putting attention on it? And then the clubby is like embarrassed and they're saying, oh no. I, I almost wish today was more of an act of defiance for, for Cleveland. And the Cleveland, whoever's, you know, this, this guy's boss was like, no, live your life. You know, go on out there, have even, you know, put, get your hair even crazier, wear pink shoes, you know, wear something else that disgraces the Yankee jersey that you're wearing. How would the Yankees feel about it like a face tattoo, do you think? That feels like something they would be against. Like, if there was a player who is like a perfect Yankee, respected the game, you know, had short hair, no, no facial hair, all-star level guy but he just had a really terrible face tattoo, like Post Malone style. Would the Yankees avoid signing that player? Probably. That's a great question. Probably. But, but to that point, all of the Yankees' uh, hair, whatever discourse, is about how they treat their own players, who they are paying their salaries, right? As dumb as the rules are, 
It is a rule for people in the organization. And the fact that they have now been able to enforce this rule for someone that doesn't even work for them is is honestly kind of unbelievable. <laughs> Like, I mean, I guess it's believable, but like, that's the part that I, I'm trying to understand is why, why is, why are they bound? What was going to happen? Who, who was going to get punished? Who was going to find who? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't compute to me. So, I mean, maybe it is just a sign of respect and that the person's boss didn't want to piss off the Yankees, but I, I'm trying to understand what the actual consequence would have been if this guy had gone out there looking the exact same on Tuesday night. I would love to know. All of it is very goofy, and that is why we're talking about this on the podcast, but that's that's where I'm at with it. Shouts out to the the bat boy named uh, Nathan Rosenhaus, whose uh, band, I believe, went a little bit viral on the internet the other day. So make sure you check out his band. They're on Spotify, Open Doors. Shouts out to the Open Doors. One more topic before we head to break and talk to Brent Honeywell. There are celebrations afoot. We are in a golden era of home run celebrations in Major League Baseball. This trend definitely started in college baseball because it is an environment that is more open to dumb shit (laughs) and goofballery. But it has definitely funneled its way, good word, up to the big leagues. And that's where we will begin. So let's just run through a couple of the best ones we've had this year. The Orioles dong bong. The home run funnel, it is an enormous beer funnel that one player holds up in the air and pours water into, and the home run hitter comes in the dugout and takes a chug from the home run funnel. Yeah, it is. When I first tremendous. saw it on the broadcast, it was so jarring. Yeah, and again, there's there's been a lot of, I, I know you were sort of uh, tweeting about this, and so much of the Phillies coverage last year is, oh, this feels like a college team, oh my God, and then it's like, oh, wow. They're just they're just doing it, and then after the game, saying that hydration is important. I mean, this is just brilliant stuff all around. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like it was Cole Irvin, and I can't remember who else got credit for the the origination here. I do like that it appears. I think it was pitchers' ideas, which is great. Uh, but yeah, this is this is tremendous. You have the perfect personalities to kind of execute this kind of uh, this kind of celebration. And it is by far the leader in the clubhouse for best one that we have so far, combined with the the sprinkler celebration for the the doubles, which we also saw. Right. Guy hits a double, does like the head sprinkler dance mm-hmm. move. Then they cut to the front row of the dugout and a bunch of pitchers are spitting fountains of water over the railing. Just outstanding stuff. You want your favorite team to be a little dumb. And when I say dumb, I mean that in like an endearing way. They're not taking things too seriously. They're being idiots. Let idiots be idiots. And that's shouts out to Brandon Hyde for letting the kids play and letting the kids take bog rips. That and the other reason I love it is they're like, listen, not only is hitting a home run in the major leagues hard and we should celebrate it. And that's kind of the premise of all discourse around bat flips and everything is that this game is hard. If we are going to succeed, we are going to enjoy it. But if you can clear Baltimore, you God damn, better be celebrating. And the Orioles, Ryan Mountcastle in particular, is like, I will conquer this demon and I will launch it far beyond the large, uh, much farther fence and higher fence than it ever was before. If they hit one over Baltimore, it should be actual beer. That I should agree. be the rule. If you hit it out anywhere else in the yard, it's water. Over Baltimore and deep left, then it's beer. The other thing that came to mind was if Yoannis had had this, he'd still be playing considering how much he hated drinking water. Remember yes. how much he hated water? He sure did. He sure did. Water was not his thing. But I, I and right, any way that we could kind of force that in, uh, more hydration is better. Let's move on to the Angels Samurai hat, which uh, I was watching Angels Nats last night uh, on my couch. And I think Logan Ohapi, their catcher, who looks great, by the way, hit a home run and was wearing the samurai hat. And my girlfriend's like, why is this white dude just wearing a samurai hat? That's problematic. And I kind of had to say, you know, I Otani bought it like it's he bought it he brought it in for everyone else I'm pretty sure this isn't just like Logan Ohapi you know appropriating Japanese culture I think I think we're good here and the hat is so ornate too it's not clearly not cheapo it didn't get this at you know five below this is a legit samurai helmet thing yes so we've seen that we also saw the the Reds Viking helmet now we can debate the appropriation level of something like that. I think that was actually the first one we saw this season was the Reds Viking helmet, um, that which looks 
particularly on Jake Fraley, does look quite appropriate. Uh, in terms of other headwear, we've also seen the Brewer's Cheese Head, which is kind of a layup, but like layup. good, pandering, easy, no complaints. I know the Packers fans are kind of going through it right now with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. So like this is a great way to just be like, hey, look, our Brewers, our Brewers are fun. Yeah, we like the Brewers. And you can do a lot with cheese. You could, you know, toss the guy a cheese stick and he like takes a vicious bite out of it with the cheese hat on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot you could like get a cheese plate in the dugout and have him like chop, you know, some some Gouda right there. Right. Some crackers. Probably some a little injury risk there, maybe a little questionable. Speaking of chopping things, the Pirates have brought out a, a pirate sword, which looks very real and very scary. Honestly, I can't quite tell how sharp it is, but that is also fantastic. Pirates off to a great start. They are certainly hitting more home runs than I maybe would have anticipated. It is not sharp. It is a dull-ass sword. I know it looks well done. It's, it's convincing. Not- it is convincing. Yeah, maybe for you, someone who is not around swords as much as me. Um, and I like when they hit <laughs> yeah. the home run. Tell me, tell me more about that. Tell I'm just going to blow right past that, Jordan. Uh, when they hit the home run, they like do like sword play, right? It's not just like pulling it out. I think G-Man Choi yesterday really waved that thing around. Uh, and then the Red Sox have inflatable dumbbells. Yes. Which I really like. And I believe that is uh, at least somewhat uh, a tribute to... Uh, Masataki Yoshida's Macho Man uh, nickname, which he, he brought uh, over from Japan, which is great. Yoshida's lower half is one of the more incredible, just like physical attributes I've ever seen. It is it is so unique, and like watching him move in that in that form where he's like five. I mean, he's like he can't be more than five ten at the most. Like he is not a tall guy, but he is ridiculously strong. So that's very cool. And then we're going to finish with the Blue Jays. I do have to mention the Braves big hat. This is kind of a layup. The big hats have kind of taken over sports over the last uh, you know year or two. I'm a total sucker for them. I don't get tired of seeing them. I think the hat should be even bigger, just in the same way that I'm a big sucker for giant gloves that sometimes fans bring to stand in the outfield that's like way bigger than someone's even torso. Love those. Love the big hats. It's easy, but I totally support them. I think they should have little hats too. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I agree. That looks more like 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 a, like a hat like that you would get ice cream in. You yeah. put that on if you could balance it. I, I support that as well. But I support the big hats. Um, but the last one we have to talk about is the Blue Jays. Now, this is something we actually already discussed in the offseason, which was that the Blue Jays last season, and I believe the last few seasons, have had the home run jacket. Home run jacket that would be uh, very gracefully placed upon the home run hitter as uh, once they uh, return to the dugout. A beautiful blue uh, you know, suit jacket looks great. And in the offseason, they decided that we are retiring the home run jacket. And we contemplated, we, we speculated, okay, how are they going to replace this? Because it seemed that they wanted to say, John Schneider's argument at the time, a new you know, full-time manager, was like, yes, we want to celebrate, but also we want to uh, effectively act like we've been there before and you know, focus on doing the little things and do it, right? And that's basically what was said over the offseason. I have the quote in front of me. So this is from a Sporting News article that came out last week. Where is the Blue Jays' home run jacket? Oh, so we have new quotes. So this is more recent. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. What do we got? What's the latest from John Schneider? Quote, it's time to go from a talented, fun team to a talented, fun team that's going to scrap and claw and find ways to win games. It's a fine line between silly and fun. There's something to be said about acting like you've been there before. I love having fun, though, Schneider said. You've got to have fun. It's a long season, and it's a game. As long as you're prepared and attentive, then winning becomes fun. The most fun to have in baseball is winning. That's how I feel about this. This is so unbelievably lame. This is so lame. And for a team like the Blue Jays, who is so entertaining and so electric to watch, to pivot so hard into grumpy old man territory is such a disappointment because the home run jacket was instrumental in kind of bringing these celebrations into the fore this year. I think it was just such an omnipresent part of the Blue Jays and they were fun and they were young. And they, Who cares, man? It's also, the, the reason that you lost two games 
to the Mariners has nothing to do with a fucking jacket. Okay, get over it. This is this is so silly and so stupid. And the worst part is when Vladdy hit a home run, I believe, last night. They are sorry in Kansas City. They did a fake home run jacket celebration. Someone came up to him and pretended to put one on his shoulders. I know, which that part is just depressing because it's like they couldn't even, they're still holding on. The players are still holding on to what they feel like they should still be able to do, which is extremely reasonable, right? It'd be one thing if you wanted to retire it because you wanted to do something new, right? The Red Sox, it seems like they maybe aren't doing the laundry cart push celebration, which I love. I thought that was hilarious, right? That, it's, that felt like a Bogarts era thing, right? Sure. And again, it's not like you have to do the same thing every season, but it's like they are clearly signaling they would still like to be doing this on top of the fact that this team is going to hit so many home runs, including five in their finally home opener after starting the season with 11 games on the road or 10 games on the road. They hit five last night at home. Um, and yeah, they just, what is going on? We just can't see that. I don't know. It's, it's so disappointing and it's so, it's so like, I, I like to think that they will come up with something else because it's just, it makes me too sad to see them pretend to do this. I'd rather them just come up with something else or it's possible. This also tells me that props in general are totally banned because the jacket before was hardly the most ridiculous thing that we've compared to some of the other things we've seen so far, like, like a, like a sword, like, like this is, or, or some of the other things we see in college baseball. This is pretty tame, right? Really? We're going to, we're going to come down on this. John Schneider would have snapped the dog. Bong bong over his knee. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So really, which which really makes me think, I'm looking forward to that that first Jays Orioles series where the Orioles can really, you know, show them how it's done, show them who's who's having the most fun. Lean into the idiocy, my friends. Lean into the idiocy. All right, let's pivot to Brent Honeywell Jr., a longtime friend of the Cespedes family barbecue, a reliever now on the San Diego Padres, a man who has battled and now overcome a litany of injuries to, you know, legitimate success in the big leagues. It is early, but he is throwing high leverage innings for one of the best four teams in the league. And he is our friend. Jordan, anything else the folks should know about Brant Honeywell Jr. before we invite him on? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much to cover with Brandon. We, we hope you enjoy this this conversation with him, but we, we touch on it. But I really just hope it, it comes across the, the degree to which this dude just loves doing what he's doing and how happy, of course, we're going to be happy for, for the people that we've gotten to know in the game to finally get to live out what they have been wanting to, right? That's that's natural, right? You see people make the majors. It's really cool. And you know, you see the family, but but for what Brent's been through and, and for how confident he's remained throughout... And and for what it means to to really his family, uh, of course you'll you'll hear him mention Mike Marshall, who despite Baseball Reference saying that that is his uncle, uh, is more of a second cousin once removed or something. But the point is is that Brent is very different. Brent is very cool, and I cannot be more uh, proud of him, honestly, and uh, just excited to see him continue to do his thing. And yeah, we'll hear us talk about the screwball. We saw another one last night, and it is it is very much a screwball, and it is very, very, very cool. So hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brent Honeywell, and we'll be back after that to uh, close out the show. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi, and we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. As two friends who have a collective 18 years of experience driving an IndyCar and one season of experience on Dancing with the Stars, we know what it takes to be successful on and off the track or dance floor. That's why each week we will give you a peek behind the front curtain and tell you what life is really like for professional IndyCar drivers and second place finishers on dancing television shows. Download Off Track with Hinch and Rossi on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. We are very excited to be joined by, by one of our oldest friends in baseball. It is the one, the only, Brent Honeywell. Brent, thank you so much for joining the show, my friend. Dude, I can't be more happy on here. Can you point the mic at your mouth? Oh. Yeah, there you go. Kay. Guy can pitch. He doesn't know how to do a podcast. So just to set the scene for everybody, I'm currently sitting next to Brent down the left field line at City Field where Brent 
now a member of the San Diego Padres, is here to face off against the Mets. Brent, we have known you, I think, since 2016, uh, but this is really your first extended taste of big league lifestyle. Let's just get it off right off the bat. How, it's fun playing in the big playing in the big leagues. Yes, yeah, especially on this on this team. Uh, it honestly might be one of the best assembled teams I'll probably ever be on. How does it feel to peak now? <laughs> uh, it, it, dude, I mean, it feels great. The clubhouse is great. Everybody in there is just awesome, and you know, everybody has the same goal in mind, and that's winning as many baseball games as we can and getting to the World Series. So, Brent, you mentioned how how much fun it is to be in the big leagues finally and be on the Padres. I mean, we talk about how much fun it is to watch the Padres. Imagine how much fun it is to play on the Padres. But we want to rewind to 2017, your Futures Game experience, really when you introduce yourself to the national audience winning Futures Game MVP. And at that point, we thought, all right, great. Brent's going to be in the big league soon, and then he can you know, get his career started. A lot has happened since then. So in your own words, because a lot of people have written it, but in your own words, what has the last six years been like and and what what kind of are, are the, the main things that you have kind of encountered on this long journey to your first extended big league stint? Um, it was hard. What happened? 2017, you pitched the Futures game. 2018 spring training is where it all starts going off the road. First time I touched the hill. First time I touched the mound. Um, so I had Tommy John in 18 and I got like 14 months out of that and was fighting back to get into the right around like September or, you know, wanting to be where our big league team was going to be at that point in time. Because I mean, I felt, I felt decently good at the time. Like I've never had to battle arm, arm troubles, arm issues or anything like that. But then it was, you know, it was more work to throw than it ever had been. And then, like, the worst happened. I fractured my elbow in, in 18 or in 19, excuse me. And then in 19, it was another TJ? No, just fracture. But right after that, it was when, right before, as soon as we shut down for COVID, I was throwing my bullpens in Sarasota and me, Glass now, and I think there was a couple other guys there. And I just threw a pitch and it just didn't feel all that great. And come to find out it had, it was to do with my nerve. So I went and got the nerve fixed up, cleaned up. And it was funny because after I had my second, you know, open up with the same spot, they debrided my nerve after I fractured too. So it's like two nerve debridements, like back to back, really sucked. Didn't feel that great. And there, but the thing is there was never a time so anyway, I get I do I'll do all that. Sorry. I do I do all that. Have the nerve debridement done. It's like a seven month recovery. Uh Paul Harker with Tampa was so sick, dude. He was so awesome. And he wanted to get me back. And I said, dude, if I can come back sooner than seven months, I want to. I feel like I have to. And I did. I wasn't all that great. Funny thing was, is we get to the playoffs in 2020, go to the World Series, and I'm throwing, I'm actually pitching in Petco. So I'm throwing like three innings at a time. But you're on Peco. the taxi squad, basically. Yeah, I was right? taxiing there. And uh, <laughs> after after that, you know, I knew there was something still going on in my elbow, and it just didn't feel that great. And but I was able to throw. I just wasn't able to recover really. And I had bone spurs and some kind of plica thing going on in my elbow. Then I got both of those taken out, and I come back for my first full year in 2021. Throw like 90 innings or something like that. And that was that was my first year back. Right. But you were not back. No. Like you were throwing, but you weren't healthy. And then yeah, no. 2022, you end up on Oakland. Yeah, they trade me. Uh, and then you're injured for most of last year with yeah, what? For I had a stress reaction in my elbow too. And that was – I think that was the – that was the toughest – mental hurdle and it wasn't even like the worst thing I had to deal with yeah so you've you've been opened up your elbow's been opened up three times yeah Tommy John fracture and nerve debridement okay and you have thrown like a total of what like a uh, hundred innings in the last 
five, six years? Uh, well, I had 20. I had eight. I had 90 in. In 21. 21. Yeah. I had 20 out of the pen. But it's not a lot. The right. bottom line is that it, it has not been a lot. And here you are now. Healthy, I picked really. Up, I've picked up. I'll say this. I picked up almost half the innings I've thrown in the last five, six years in the Dominican this past year and then in spring training this year. Right. Because you are now, thankfully, knock on wood, feeling I feel healthy. Great. I feel feeling great. great, looking even better. And you are now a part of a pretty sick Padres bullpen. How has the like the Padres coaching staff helped you figure some um, things out? You know, I think the Ruben, when I first showed up, they had they like they they brought a couple things to me. Like as soon as I as soon as I came back from the Dominican, I was in San Diego for you know that whole time until you know Joe puts on a camp there. So I was there for that. And then this is before spring, right? Yes, this is before spring. So I was actually in uh I was actually in San Diego for 18 days before the camp and then the camp. And then I was there for a couple extra days and then into spring training. So it was, it was good. It was good. I got to, I got to feel out and I actually got to work on some things. So like, that's been the biggest difference is I've been able to work on stuff and, you know, kind of tailor what I'm doing. And it's really it's gone a long way. I want to go back to your attitude throughout this whole thing because, you know, we've been lucky enough to call you a friend for a while now. And something that was always incredible to me is every single setback that you had, you just mentioned some of the mental hurdles of last year. One of the reasons we love you is that you, you are always assuming you are the best pitcher in any stadium on any field at any time, even when you hadn't pitched in three years, right? You had all these times where it was every possible setback, every possible medical hurdle and, and pain, I'm sure, that would tell you, Brent, stop, you can't do this. And yet that never changed. Why do you think you're able to, to be that way and just continue well, to say, I'm, like, I'm the man? This dude couldn't straighten his arm, and he's like, "I'm Nolan Ryan." Like I, he's like he like couldn't touch his toes and thought he was, you know, Justin Verlander. <laughs> no, I think I kind of think it's like you know a lot of people talk about you know like what mo- motivates you, and it's like that. That's the thing that motivates me is like I know, like I know what I'm capable of doing. Like I showed, I showed like yeah, I showed a lot of people what I could do. Like you were talking about in the futures game, but. Like I'm a baseball fan at heart and it showed me like what I was capable of doing kind of too. Like, did I ever think I would be, did I ever think I'd be here? Yeah. But did I think it would be this hard to get here? No, not really. But. Cause at, in 17, you had the world on your plate. Right in front of me. Oh my God. Like you were, you should have been up that year. Right. And you were dominating people. Right. And there's no reason in the world all you'd ever had in your life to that point was success on a baseball field, right? Yeah. Basically your whole career. Yeah. And for it to take six extra years, I mean, that's exhausting. Wh- what did you turn to? I think to? that was the hardest. That was yeah. the hardest part than like getting like myself back healthy. It's like, you know, I'm like, I'm missing out. Like showing people, like I want to show the best. I want to, sh- like, I want to show the best hitters in the world what I have to offer. That's what I want to do. I've always wanted to do that because I know I can get them out. And, you know, is it easy? No, it's not easy, but it's fun because it's a game within the game and it's just something that you don't get to experience when you're not playing. So the only thing that I have is, you know, just thinking the game, like what I would do in that situation or how I would attack that situation. Or, But in the grand scheme of things, you don't really know until you're standing there 60 feet in front of them. So you kind of had FOMO. Like you, you were missing out. Like you, I was missing out, man. Yeah, I was missing out on something that I definitely thought that, especially when I was in Tampa, I thought I deserved to be a part of that. Right. And right. you know, it just doesn't work out that way sometimes, which is bush, but it is what it is. So you you mentioned like you don't know until you do it, and also like you just love ball, right? All you want to do is think about it and talk about it and do it, right? And now that you've been healthy this spring. And I got to talk to you in Peoria a little bit in spring training and watching you live BP. But now in the start of this season, 
I mean, <laughs> how how fun is it to feel not only be able to get, to get to do it and be healthy, but like get to finally try all these things that you've been thinking about for years, right? Okay, now I'm in this situation against some of the best hitters in the world, and now I get to try out X, Y, Z. Like, is it as fun as you had imagined now that you are really, really doing it at full capacity? Yeah, well, I think the the other thing is too is like, you know, yeah, there's different ways to go about like pitching. So it's like I'm doing something now that I've never really done before. And it's pitching out of the bullpen. But I tried it like I tried it last year, but I didn't feel like I was equipped as I am like now. So You mean like mentally? No. Or I mean like inter- your like, arsenal. Yeah, like arsenal, like how I feel throwing the ball. Like what the ball does out of my hand, like it's two completely different things. So like that's the thing that I noticed the most when I got to the Dominican was that, you know, I'm throw I come now the fan, like the baseball fan noticed like, okay, this is that's a good fastball. Like that's where it's supposed to be, that's how it's supposed to be thrown. Like this is what a major league fastball is. Like it's getting by people. The ones that I was throwing like a few years, like for the last couple of years. Just it was a it was a soggy heater. It was an unhealthy fastball. It was the stuff that came out of my hand after that was was unhealthy. But the thing is that I still somewhat made it work. And times that I would make it work, I was I was really good. But the times that I was bad, it was just microscope to I was the worst I've ever been. But now that you're healthier and the Padres have helped you right. kind of figure your arsenal out, you can lean on the shit now. Yeah, like I right? can I can I can I can lean on I can lean on my arm like I can trust I can trust what comes out of my hand but like these guys here like they've showed me some stuff of like a pilot ball routine and they've kind of showed me like a routine like you like hey dude you're gonna be like you might be a part of two games in three days or two games in two days you might be a part of four games in six days and it's like oh Jesus Christ like that's like I'm definitely gonna have to like I need to I need to be sure that I'm prepared but you know, Ruben and all the other guys out here, Tim Hill, like all these relievers out here, Josh Hader, Nabil, like it's, it's Luis Garcia. It's super fun out here, man. Like it's fun. Like they, I, I just, I watch stuff. Like I see stuff because I'm a fan, but then I see stuff right. also because I love playing the game and I like being ready to go. So you, every you, time the phone rings, you talk about the preparation. So Jordan and I went back and listened to some of the interview we did with you in <laughs> the fall of 2016. When we were still in college, right? Okay, and you had I probably finished. Told you I could roll out of bed and bingo, exactly. So you said something. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, "I hate lifting. I will never lift. I don't like picking up weights." <laughs> right, and and that is the type of energy that comes from a stupid twenty-one-year-old guy who thinks the world can't touch him. Yeah, but you have clearly matured in a way where you are now doing the things necessarily to prepare to be on a big league mound. Right. Yeah, but I also think it's finding, like, it's finding the routine of, it's finding the routine of doing all of that and and feeling good about it. So one thing that happened with me and starting when doing that, I didn't really like it because, you know, starting I would be, I would be sore. Nabil almost Nabil almost got hit in the head. Nabil Krismat is is uh, <laughs> right near us and probably missed. Uh, a, I think that's a Tomas Nito heater by about a foot and a half. Um, so I guess they, maybe there is a God, Brent. <laughs> so it's like, it wasn't that I hated it. Is that That's what worked for me at the time. And But I will, I will never get behind the fact that that's why I was hurt. Never. Because I think when guys lift, the same thing happens. Some of the same stuff happens to guys who lived. Some of the things, same things happen to guys who don't lift. Like, I don't think it was anything. I think what happened was I think I was a freak. I think I was a certified freak, and I feel like I was born to do this, and I feel like, you know, since I am born to do this, since I feel like I'm born to do this, I feel like I would always get to this point at some right. point in time. That's like, this I was think. inevitable for you. Right. Right. And and what's what's so cool about it for us is, right, like, you have to be irrational. Because Very. before this year, there was no reason in the world, if you did not know Brent Honeywell Jr., to think that Brent Honeywell Jr. would get outs in the big leagues, right? That's but true. you, despite your last five years of your life, were like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I can get these guys out. Yeah. Like, I, like, and if, and the other thing is, too, is like, yeah, I can get them out. But the, 
the number one thing is that I have to get them out. If I want to pitch here, I have to get them out. And you have know, you ever doubted yourself at any no, point? No, I don't think you can. I think I didn't necessarily doubt myself. I didn't ever doubt my routine. I didn't ever like doubt what I did out there. I think I, I think I doubted the fact that people would take the shot. That's what I doubted the most. And rightfully so, honestly, like it's, it's rightfully so like, like I said, man, and, and I think it helps me. It's helped me out a lot being a fan because the four years that I, I would sit and watch baseball, I've, I picked it up from a different perspective and mm. it was a perspective of, you know, how teams operate, how front offices operate, you know, how the game moves. Like you miss out, you miss out on the, the wave of what the game does with year in and year out. It, the game changes, you know, regardless of what, like the new rules thing. Like, I'm glad I got a part. I got a part of being the, the first. Like, I did this in the minor leagues for two years. Yeah, the new rule thing. Like, I did it, and you know, it gives me it gives me an opportunity to to do it here. So, Brent, uh, one of the things that I think everybody asked you about every five minutes as you were coming up through the minors before the injuries started was the fact that you throw a screwball. And this is something that has been received in various different ways over the course of your career. Some people are being like, oh my God, that's so cool. Of course he throws a screwball. And then a lot of people are saying, that's not a screwball, that's just another changeup. Well, the good news is that now that you are in the big leagues and throwing it, StatCast is on your side. StatCast has classified your screwball as a screwball. It is the first right-handed screwball to be classified by StatCast uh, since, you know, in the StatCast era. So that seems like an achievement in and of itself. Talk to us, for those of you who are completely unfamiliar with Brent's background, talk to us about your history with this pitch, how you learned it, and why you're still throwing it today. And do you get pissed when people tell you it's a changeup? Uh, I don't get pissed when people say it's a changeup because if it was, it would show it on the board. And the last two places I've thrown it have come up screwball. And I ain't never seen it before since I've been to a major league baseball game. So I, so I turn around and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you're damn right. I throw me a damn screwball. So, <laughs> but you know, I think every five minutes people like to talk about, you know, me throwing, but now on every team I've ever been on. <laughs> Somebody has one other than me. Really? Everyone. They think they have one. Ah. Uh. They think they throw it. If they did throw it, it would say it. Because StatCast, I don't know. I mean. Ain't no lies in science, Brent. Th that's what they say, right? That's People what they trust, say. Trust the science. Science is real. So I think, you know, what happens with it is it gets – you know, it gets glorified as a changeup because it looks like it does the same thing or, well, you know, whatever. But like if you're if you're not a casual fan and if you're a, a, like a baseball fan and you understand what you're looking at when you're watching, a, like understand more in depth what you're looking at in a baseball game. Does it look like it moves different on TV? Ah, maybe a little bit. But it's the spin. It's the, and it's the spin. It's, it's the, the velo, and it's and it's the look that it gives those guys in the box, and it's different. Yeah. And the thing is, is when you throw something that looks different to them, they start to they start to look for it a little bit. Yeah. And then it just throws that timing off just a little bit. But people also forget that I kind of pump cheese in there every now and then. Kind of pump cheese too. You're not just a screwball guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, so you have a gasoline can yeah, on your arm I, as well. I feel like. But I think it's different because I am, you know, I'm the only guy who throws it in the major leagues. But I throw harder than a lot of people that used to throw it. Mm. So it's like, you know, Marshall, I threw, I throw harder than Mike Marshall did. Um, Fernando Valenzuela, I threw harder than that dude. And I think it's just a different look to, to people. But... For people who are listening and maybe don't know exactly what a screwball is, I'll just take a second to explain, right? If a slider or a curveball is moving from the arm side of the pitcher to the glove side of the pitcher across the plate, a screwball almost does the opposite. You contort your arm almost like around itself, like a corkscrew, screwball. And so the ball is going from your arm side, or sorry, from your glove side, sweeping towards a right-handed hitter from a right-handed pitcher. That's a good description because yeah. like now... Now you have these things that they're throwing. They're called a sweeper. 
I have one. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Just like all the cool kids now, Brent so, Honeywell is a sweeper. So, you know, is it as much as a, of a sweeper as, you know, people think? No. But, it has more depth than that, yes, right? Yes, it, it just adds a little bit more depth, and it definitely has more depth than my changeup, and it moves, it moves very similar. Like if you know, if you're looking on plots, everyone has it. You know, it's not a secret, but you know, a yeah. lot of people are. Do you think the screwball had anything to do with your arm injuries? Because not, I think people who don't know you or know you a little bit see screwball and five missed seasons of time on the yeah. IL, and they add those two things together. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Because I think what happens is, is you guys who, I mean, like, look at guys who miss time that don't have a screwball. There's been right. more guys in the last, how many years you ever just said that miss time. Now, do they miss as much as me? No, but congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Hey, you did it, dude. I did it, bro. So <laughs> do they miss as much time as me? You know, some guys don't, but there's also guys out there that do sometimes right. miss that much time. Hmm. But, you know. Do I think it's a reason? No, I don't. Okay. Let's wrap it up with this, Jordan. Brent Honeywell Jr., we are in New York City. It is your first time. It is my first time in, in New York. the Big Apple. You are from rural Georgia. You went to the same high school as Ty Cobb, although you did not overlap. <laughs> Tell me about your first impressions of the most chaotic city in America. Um moves faster than a lot of places it does yes very good a lot a lot more people walk around here okay um but i feel like i got i feel like i got warmed up a little bit in san diego it's cool. okay but i think you know i love that yes all terms i'd rather be the worm in the big apple the worm in the big apple <laughs> yeah the worm in the big apple yesterday i got lunch with brent for everyone listening and uh we're sitting there and brent's like yeah i got like a 115 bus but if I miss it, I can just walk to the yard, right? <laughs> I'm like, you can just what to the where? Yeah, I can just walk over to the yard. I'm like, yeah, and it'll take you three hours to walk from Midtown Manhattan to the city. And then you got interrupted when we were ordering food. Oh, yeah. And people, tough, tough, people tough are just here, moving but quick. She did apologize, so that was cool. First New Yorker to ever apologize for anything, believe it or I not. Can, I can see that. And then today you went for a little stroll through Central Park? I did. You know, I did. I, um, I went with a really close friend of mine. And uh, she was taking me around. I saw, you know, I went in St. Patrick's. I uh, I went to Central Park, and I saw some buildings are huge here. It's gnarly. They're big. Gnarly. They're scraping that sky. Yeah, they, they are scraping the sky. Good skyscraper. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a boy. Yeah. Not Jordan, a lot any of those New York questions? Yeah. Any any yeah, New. No. <laughs> What's the tallest building in Royston, Georgia? Uh, it's probably <laughs> the Ty Cobb Museum. Slash, slash, <laughs> isn't it like the? It's like a Ty Cobb Museum and like a medical facility at the same time. Yep, Ty yes. Cobb General Health, something like that. <laughs> yes, it is Ty true. Cobb. Ty Cobb's General Health was like whiskey and tobacco. That was how he kept yeah. his general health and and just hits and hits. Yeah, Jordan. Anything else for Mr. Honeywell? Uh, I just I went back and listened to to our episode 2016 and we we closed with the discussion of your appreciation of Waffle House. So I just wanted to make sure I know the Padres social videos uh, really took off this spring where they asked you a different question every Dude, morning. I said Waffle House. And there was one <laughs> there was one where it was they asked if you could only eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life, what would it be? And all these big leaguers come through and they're like, oh, this fancy restaurant in Miami, this fancy restaurant in L.A. And this, you know, really expensive, whatever. And then at the end of the video, Brent just comes up to the camera and says, Waffle House. <laughs> Is that, I just wanted to say that that really sums up our friend here. And I hope that that never changes now that you're a big, fancy big leaguer. Is that is that fair? That's you know better than that. But yeah, I think I, you can, I'm telling you, there'll be times where, you know, you, let's say, let's say you, you've been hot for a couple days and it's like, ah, I could really use a day. Dude, go eat you some food like that. Get some good sleep. You're ready to rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> all right, Brent. Well, we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you run here. Uh, I'm sure you're, the three of us will talk soon off the air. The second I press the stop button, 
But until then, until we have you back on the show, keep carving. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you. I guess we'll see you next in Seattle for the All-Star Game. Right, Jordan? Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that would be cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Thank you to Brent Honeywell, one of our best friends in the sport and a man who has no idea about New York geography. Let's do a little email. We have been, uh, not reluctant, but we have not been opening our email bag recently, and we would like to do so today and do some more consistently. So we will dive in and we will read an email from someone named Daniel. Daniel says, hey guys, I don't know what it is about pitch clock discourse, but I'm as much as I'm sick of it and I don't want to hear it anymore. I just can't stop engaging with it. I, that's, I love that. That's called addiction. I want to come at it from a different angle for a second, though, and see what you think. On a recent episode, you mentioned a number of changes made in MLB over the last several years that have bothered traditionalists. The new era logo on the caps, Nike swoosh on the chest, ad patches, the universal DH, and now, at least for some people, the pitch clock. For these traditionalists, it's too bad because what are they going to do? Stop watching baseball? They just have to suck it up and deal with changes they don't like because they're in way too deep to quit. And that makes me wonder. What is one thing that MLB could do that would maybe tip the scales a little bit for these old school folks that's not remove the pitch clock or revert to the old game? Is there anything the league could do or are these people just destined to be grumpy? Daniel. This is an interesting question because, right, it feels like the progress that we are making and that's a term I'm choosing to use, but I know these people would think it's the opposite. But it's hard to kind of go back, right? Once you start pushing in this direction with these kind of rules, sure, maybe there's tweaks along the way, but you've kind of signaled your intention of the direction you would like the game to go, right? For me, the only the thing that comes to mind, and I know you're kind of interested in answering the opposite of this question, the thing that comes to mind for me into something that traditionalists love, but I also think that most people love, is starting pitching. And if there was a way or a rule to enforce, and this is very messy and very hard to do, but things have been kind of brainstormed and, and pandered about. I've heard smart baseball people talk about this. If there was some way to essentially ensure that starting pitchers would be pitching deeper into games than they are, whether that is a limit on the number of relief pitchers you have on a roster, whether it is a, a minimum. I mean, again, it's, it's hard with injuries and you could have guys faking injuries, but say there was a limit. You couldn't take a starter out before, you know, the fifth inning or the sixth inning or the seventh inning. I know, I know some of this sounds nuts, but like that, I do think if you can kind of find a way to tip the game back towards starting pitching, which is, I think something that the league would like to see, and I hasn't quite figured out how to do it. That is the first thing that comes to mind because rules-wise, in terms of the gameplay, I'm not exactly sure how we could kind of go back at this point, but starting pitching and re-emphasizing starting pitching, that seems like something that old school people would appreciate. That is my serious answer. And I, it's connected to velocity because you have a style of play now where pitchers are going full gas for five and they're letting it all out there, throwing mid to high 90s with high effort offerings right in the old days guys weren't throwing their hardest every single pitch and so they were able to work deeper into games because they were getting less tired and maybe that resulted in fewer arm injuries the issue with you restrict it is it's going to take a while for training to adjust for development to adjust where now everything is optimized for guys to throw hard it would need to kind of switch and i think you would also the unintended consequence of that might be fewer strikeouts too because you'd maybe see Velo go down, you'd see more balls in play. I think that would be great. I'm not sure how you accomplish that without injuries, and I'm not sure how you accomplish that without organizations losing their mind, and without pitchers, starting pitchers, being um, mad about having to change the way they go about things, and relief pitchers being mad about not getting to pitch as much, and the union understandably saying, hey, you're taking away jobs, right? That's kind of the issue with that. Now, my fake answer is one game a year, um, the broadcast should be shitty like it used to be. So it should be like a oh, 1978 broadcast mm. where everybody's talking like this and uh, the game looks like a scratch VHS tape. I was going to say, camera. I was going to say like the, the literal technology we'd have to downgrade. We'd have to, 
I guess you would just put some sort of filter over yeah. it. That would be more likely, right? It's not like you're going to suddenly start using the cameras they were using 50 years ago. Go back to hits, average, RBI, home runs. Right. I want All a lot karma. of guys. Yeah, I want a one game a year where it sounds like this. That's and- a, I, I, I do like that. The idea of we've talked so much over the last 10 years. It's like, oh, whoa, look, they just put OPS plus on the little graphic. And oh, wow, they just mentioned this, you know, mentioned this launching. It's like, no. Go back to, like you said, all it says is average, all it says is RBIs and home runs, nothing else, and that's all we should be talking about the whole game. Let's get regressive. Okay, turn that clock back to 1961. All right, that's fine with me. Yeah, not fine with me, but probably would be fine with a lot of people. And I would be I would watch that. Are you kidding me? That's, that's the kind of thing that even new people would be like, eh, once a year, sure. This is a fun, this is a fun way to do this. What uh this email question made me think about what is one thing MLB could do to legitimately alienate the traditionalists? Even more so. I mean, maybe we're underestimating the degree to which this has. Like I like Daniel says in this email, for these traditionalists, it's too bad. What are they gonna do? Stop watching baseball? I mean some of them probably will, and I, I know that sounds insane, but I think that's a minority, I'm sure. But I do think that maybe some people have decided that this is not baseball. There, there are people that, that this is a, a bridge way too far, and I disagree, but I'm sure that is happening for some people. I think it is happening for less people than you maybe are insinuating because these rules are turning the clock back from a style of play standpoint. While the rules themselves are new and funky and odd, they exist to you know, re what's the word I want. They, they exist to like bring back what baseball yeah. looked like 20 years, 20, 30 yeah. years ago. Um, what could you do to piss off these traditionalists so much that they'd stop watching? Here is my first idea. If Rob Manfred came to me and said, uncle Jim, get him to stop watching. I would turn to the NBA and do music during pitches. Like, Ooh. Oh, yes, because that is if you are and some people have said the pitch clock does this, but if you are ruining the experience in the game at a game, like if you're ruining the experience to be at a ballpark in a way and changing it to a such degree, that is a very, very funny idea. You'd also be pissing off players to a oh. crazy degree as well. So um, that's a that's a very, very good idea. Terrible idea which makes it a good idea for the purpose of answering this question. And that's a minor thing too, right? Because that has nothing to do with the gameplay. No, nothing. That is entirely to do with the game experience that could probably have a pretty dramatic effect. Nick Lodolo coming set to do a Lipa, getting mm. distracted, right? That's yeah. what I want. Right, right. And so, I mean, it also, every time I go to an NBA game, I'm like, this is, when did, I also would love to know the history of that. Because there's no way that they were blasting music. I I, I don't. I want to know when they started playing right. music during every second of an NBA game. At some point, it started and it was weird for people, right? Mm. And it would now be weird if it went back. If it was just quiet, yeah. Do you remember? You know, what this makes me think of when we went to see the European Handball yes. uh, Champions League in Denmark, in Denmark. Yeah. and that was that times 20. I mean, it was like the most intense, like house music during every possession, way more than just like a basic hip hop beat that you would see during an NBA game. That's what we would want to add that, which by the way, like with the pace, it would, it would just change. It would turn it in, make it feel like arena baseball, which is maybe not a bad thing. Who knows? Probably a bad thing. Probably a bad thing. Uh, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, Wednesday, I would say thanks to look forward to two cool call-ups. Todd Bradley, one of the top pitching prospects in the league, will be making his MLB debut tonight against the Red Sox for the Tampa Rays. Definitely worth watching him. And then, Jordan, the the, Queb- the Quebecois crusher. Yes. Uh, Joey Gallo hitting the, uh, hitting the IL, uh, which means that Edouard Julien of Yes Indeed uh, Quebec will be coming up. He is, I know, one of your favorite prospects, one of the more interesting paths to Major League Baseball that you're going to find. He will and be the, yeah, he, he rakes. He will be the first big leaguer from Quebec City, Quebec. Oh, we love to see it. Taj Bradley, the first Major League uh, pitcher born in 2001. So that is a thing that we are now just uh, accepting as normal. And of course, I think JJ Cooper pointed this out. 
But it's like, oh, the Rays, the guy they just signed to their highest uh, free agent contract ever. Oh, no, he goes down. Surely that's a disaster. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. We have one of the best pitching prospects in baseball to call up. Taj Bradley against Chris Sale, who has been a total mess so far. Um, so looking forward to tuning into that one. But otherwise, I think we'll cut it off here. All kinds of other stuff we'll get to maybe on the Friday show. Anything else uh, on your mind, Jake Mintz? Why is Joey Gallo in the aisle? Uh, I believe it's not anything super major. Let's okay. see why. It's Just interesting that he won't be coming back to New York. The oh, Twins going to bad. New York to play the Yankees. And I was hoping to see him get either booed or cheered. Uh, well, but- the the right intercostal strain will not allow that to happen. Instead, you will watch Edouard Julien hopefully hit one into the third deck in right field, which will also be awesome. And I don't think you'll be sad about that. Uh, thank you to Brent Honeywell for joining us on this episode of Baseball Barbacast. Thank you to Chris Tyler, as always, for producing. We'll be back on Friday. Will the Rays still be undefeated, having completed the first mop of the season? Will the Orioles have completed the first mop of the season against the ERA over eight Oakland A's? My God, they are a tough watch. We will see. We will talk to you then on Friday. But until then, have a good rest of your week. And uh, thanks for listening. Serious XM Podcasts.